Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Alright, so I want to preach today on the confidence in God in the midst of trials. And the reason, of course, is because, you know, we've all been through a crazy year. I feel like the whole body of Christ needs to go through deliverance. (laughs) We should just have a deliverance Sunday. Anybody who hated last year and are traumatized by it, please come forward. Uh, But I really do want to talk about this because it's, it's such a beautiful subject, and it's one that I learned the hard way, and a lot of us have learned the hard way. So... Let turn in your Bibles to Roman chapter 8. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And y'all, when you get there. Wow, y'all are good. I'm over here like my tabs going after Acts. Still not there. Tracy's still not there. All right. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We're going to read 28 and 29. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called, who are the called, you are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. So um, this scripture is on a lot of people's refrigerator. And we kind of go, oh, okay, you know, let's quote it. Let's quote it again. But it's actually a key, one of those keys in the Bible, one of those really important verses that are tucked away in the word that we can actually use because it's how God grows us up. It's the, it's the scripture that he uses to say, this is how I'm maturing my bride. And so God is coming back for a pure and spotless bride. And if you look around today, you're going to see a lot of, of, a lot of bruised and hurting bride. But he said that he's going to return for a bride that is the perfect uh, representation and image of, of his son, Jesus. He says it right here. And so he's saying to you, listen to this. He's saying all things. That means all things that happen to you work together for good for those who love God who are called, who are the called according to his purpose. And the, and the whole purpose is to be conformed to the image of his son. And we think to ourselves, oh, it's to get me to the plan and purpose, the purpose-driven life. No, it is. The purpose-driven life is that you would look like Jesus. That is the purpose of God because he is looking for the bride, someone that looks like his son. And in this, I, you know, a lot of us learn this the hard way. And a lot of us go on our journey. And, um, and I remember the moment that my life changed, gosh, back in 1993. I was living in Mexico with my ex-husband, my first husband, my ex-husband, and um, who was a... Uh, uh, abusive, adultering alcoholic. And I will just tell you this, don't go to a third world country with an alcoholic. It doesn't get any better. It just gets worse. Um, so I, I, we had been there for about two years and I went with the promise that, you know, he would clean up his act and everything would be okay. And, um, and it was for um, a couple of months and then, you know, everything fell apart. 
And at the time that uh, we had, we had two daughters, we have two daughters. Um, they were about six and eight. And, um, and my life was a living hell every day. Um, you know, in between the drinking, which he drank every day, and he only really slept with other women when he drank, so it was pretty prevalent. Um, and the abuse was horrendous. It was physical, it was emotional, it was verbal. It was really bad in my life. So I was miserable. I was on antidepressants, and I was just trying to survive. I was in survival mode, and I was a runner, and so, um, or John's his jogger. And we lived in this... <laughs> Technically, whatever, you know, I had my running shoes on. <laughs> Ladies, you know what I mean. Um, if you wear the outfit, it's like you're losing weight. <laughs> so, I, so I was running on these, and they had, we lived in this beautiful uh, city called Colonia Seattle, um, right in the heart of Guadalajara. And I'm running um, on these cobblestone streets and, um, and they have a cathedral on every corner up there and they had this massive cathedral that was the home of some saint, I don't know. Anyway, again, don't really know God, but I'm desperate. You know, I'm literally dying on the inside, on the outside, in every way possible. Now, on the outside, I'm living this, this life that is, is a five-star, multi-million dollar, multi-home, staffs. I never, you know, I mean, I had two or three people picking up my clothes off the floor. I mean, it was like that, you know. Um, I flew wherever I wanted. I did whatever I wanted. I never looked at price tags. I just lived that kind of life. And so, you know, there was that. Um, didn't make it any better, Really? So I'm running, and I run into this cathedral, and, uh, and I just remember that day, and I remember the pigeons and how they took flight as I ran through them, and uh, I went into this cathedral and sat on one of the pews, <clears throat> and I was desperate, and all I could say was, um, God, if you'll save me, I'll give you the rest of my life. Now, I had no idea what I was saying. <laughs> I just was thinking, if you'll just get me out of this torment and, and out of this situation that I've gotten myself into, I mean, let's be honest, right? Um, uh, uh, you know, then I'll, I don't know, tithe or something. I didn't even know what tithing was. So I, then I put, I had 20 pesos and I put that in the little, the little thing. And when you go to the Catholic churches down there, they pass the basket and, and, and people will put money in the basket, but they'll look for change. And so they'll put in a hundred pesos, but they'll pull out, you know, and, and it's the most remarkable thing. But anyway, I let the 20 pesos just go ahead and sit without change. And so, um, and so something happened when I, when I prayed that prayer, and it's, I'm leading you into what I feel like God is wanting to say to us today. Um, when I prayed that prayer, even though I didn't know God, even though I didn't really want to know God, I had no hunger, no desire, no nothing. And that really didn't awaken in me until much later, years later. Um, 
What did awaken was my understanding. So I was sitting there having dinner with my, my two daughters and, um, and my um, husband who was um, drunk and he wasn't making any sense and he was slurring his words and my, my daughters couldn't understand what he was saying. <clears throat> and they got into the age where this is becoming increasingly obvious. Um, and I had this epiphany that if I didn't do something, if I didn't make a change, if I didn't leave, then my daughters would marry this same man. And this was the man that my mother married and my grandmother married. And I was a repeat. I was just on repeat. And I, even though I didn't love myself and I had struggled with self-hatred, obviously, I loved my children. And I would do whatever it took so that they could live a different kind of life. And so it's that very thing that fueled the change. And when I left, I left with nothing. I left with zero. I, had, I didn't have two pennies that I left with. I left that lifestyle with three suitcases and two daughters. No furniture, no car, no home, no nothing. And I started my life over again. And it's not that it was easy, but it was a decision that I made in my heart that something was going to change. And I knew by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, even though I didn't know the Holy Spirit, I had said that. I knew that I was the thing that needed to change. Even though he may have had a list, a laundry list of, of problems and and, and, and brought heartache to me. I was the one that married him. And so in this scripture, this is what he is saying. He is saying to us that we can know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. You are the very called of God. You are, I believe, the last generation that will live on this earth, you and your children, before he returns. And he is saying the pressures, the circumstances, the problems that you're feeling, the, the rent you can't pay, the husband that is abusive, all of these things, are. he is going to take them and he's going to work them together for good. Because he's looking for someone that looks like his bride. Yeah. So we have to stop looking at our lives and the circumstances of our lives. Like, why me? It's like, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Because he loves us. And that's a hard pill to swallow because we want a God that's a Santa Claus. We want someone, a God that says, oh, you're never going to feel any pain. You know, cash your check, get rich. You're going to be good looking. Everybody's going to like you. But in fact, if you look at the gospel in the life of Jesus, he is the firstborn of many brethren set in place so that we will look like him. And he says to us, they hated me and they're going to hate you. But because I overcame, you too are going to overcome. Right? So I overcame an alcoholic husband, an adultering husband, 
And today, because of the choices that I made in my life, everything in my life has changed. And the trajectory for my children and my children's children and my legacy is different. Okay? And I met a man who loves me like... Stop it. You're loving me so well. And he loves my mother, okay? And my children and my daughters. And, um, and so it's good. And, you know, when I was desperate in, in the place of not having anything and not having any hope, here's the one thing that I knew. I knew again, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that I would love again. I knew that there was a love for me that was available. And that was the one thing that my heart cried out for. Amen? All right. This basic truth is sown into all of the letters of the New Testament. It's really interesting when you read this, read this truth about, about um, pain. It's so funny how we think about pain and how he thinks about pain. He thinks about pain in a completely way, a different way than we think about pain. We think whatever it takes to be comfortable because, you know, we're Americans and we're the Western church. And we think, um, you know, again, purpose-driven life. It's all about me. It's actually not about us. And, and I, it's not that God doesn't care about your pain, uh, pain. He does care about your pain. But what he doesn't care about is your comfort. And that's hard pill. Again, you're just like, what? But I'm an American. I want it now. I want it to feel good. I want it, I want it for a discount or free, you know? Man, we got to get some more people on this side of the room. I feel like I'm kind of like out of balance. Anyway. All right. Where am I? All right. So I'm reading through the Bible and, and I don't know if you noticed it, but Paul never really complains about his pain. I mean, that guy, he's got a bad. You know, he's probably thinking, in fact, if you look at the very, the, like, like the road to Damascus, he's having this, this incredible encounter, I mean, besides for the fact that he's now blind. But he's having an incredible encounter, and he's like, whoa, that was Jesus. I, I can't see, you know? And, 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 and. Then Jesus, in red letter, shows up to Ananias and says, okay, you know that guy was trying to kill you? <laughs> I need you to go pray for him. And you're like, uh, okay. So Ananias is going, okay. And he said, I want you to tell him what he must suffer for my name's sake. So that's your prophecy, Paul. You know, it's not like, oh, you're going to change and transform the nations. No, I want you to know what you must suffer for my namesake. So this guy, Paul, he's shipwrecked. He's in prison. And it's not like prison. Like you go to the, in, I don't know if any of you have been to the prisons in America, but they have iPads. <laughs> they've, got, they've got flat screen TVs. I mean, they're, they're sweating, but not really. Not like Paul was. Paul's like, so there's no bathroom, and, um, and I'm in chains, and it's hot, Mediterranean hot. You know, it's not Texas hot, it's Mediterranean hot. There's, and they're like, here's hummus, and we're not giving you any flatbread. <laughs> right? So it's bad. 
So, but he gets out. He gets out. And what does he do? He prays and he says, God, make me more bold for you. In other words, I'm going to get in even more trouble than this. Because I don't care. So he didn't, he counted it all joy. He didn't consider the sufferings because he understood this scripture. He understood how God promotes is through overcoming pain. It's that muscle thing. It's building those muscles. What do you do? You tear a muscle to build a muscle. You put stress on your body to build your body. Now, somebody else knows about that in here. (laughs) All right. God communicated these things to us about having confidence in him and his love so that we can have endurance and perseverance through the things that are coming up. He said, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken so that everything that can't be shaken will remain. And the truth is, is that each one of us are called to look like him. And there's things in us that have to be cultivated, that have to be sifted, that have to be removed in order for that to happen. Heartache, disappointment, discouragement. And so I want to go through some of those. He's the father that looks at us and he looks at his children and he looks at, number one, the different mistakes that we have made. Number two, the wrong decisions that we made. And so I got, John and I got saved late in life. And so we went ahead and and we had an inventory of mistakes and wrong choices. And so it was like send the cleanup crew, right? Number three, (laughs) all right, even the times we fell into sin, Or number four, there's been injustices against us by other people who actually mean evil against us. Like like they're doing it on purpose. Or the devil attacks us. So whether our mistakes are sinful failures, injustice of others, attacks of the devil, the Lord says, I'm going to take it and I'm going to overrule it all. I'm going to take every single thing that the enemy meant for evil, and I'm going to take it and turn it for good. And I'm going to raise you up out of that. And I'm actually going to give you authority over the very thing that you overcame. I know it's a beautiful picture of a faithful father who said, I'm going to finish what I started in you. And I just thank God for that because I can't do it in my own strength. It's very similar. Do you guys, have you ever guys, have you guys ever seen lightning? You know, where it lights across the sky. Such a beautiful thing, right? Do you know that lightning actually has a purpose? And it's not just to create electricity that goes across the sky. The purpose of lightning, God created it for the purpose of seeds. So when the lightning hits the ground, electricity goes underneath the ground and it stirs up the seeds so they remember what they're supposed to be doing. It's like taking a paddle to the heart of man and hitting them with something externally that is painful, but yet it produces life. And it begins to awaken and that seed begins to come up once it gets hit with that electricity. 
Isn't that incredible? It's an incredible picture. Our, but here's what our natural tendency is. Our natural tendency, because, you know, and especially at this generation, it's like, I don't want to feel any pain. I don't want to experience any pain. So we build our lives in a way that we create walls so that the pain can't get near us. We, we overmanage everything. Let me just spend all of my time trying to control all of these outward circumstances so that nothing will come near me, so that I won't feel pain, which is actually exhausting. And I love what Aaron said this morning, that he's calling us into his rest, trusting him in a place where we say, look, you know, God, search me. Search my heart to see if there's anything in me that you want to put your finger on and begin to develop. Because it's got to go. Because the truth is, is that the, the further you're going to go in God, the more refining you're going to need by his hand. You can't go up until you go wide. You can't go up until you go deep. And those root systems will only try to find water if the water goes away. When there's a drought, a tree won't grow in that season because it's spending all of its energy looking for water on the way down. But what it's doing is the very next time the water hits it, it's developed strength and depth underneath the soil so that it can grow and produce fruit in the next season. That is what he does. And this is very similar to Revelation chapter 3 that we've been talking about for, I don't know, six weeks. Revelation chapter 3, when, um, when Jesus is speaking to the Laodicean church or the church of today, and he's saying to, to them, let me read it. Um, he said, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were cold or hot, but because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold. I will vomit you out of my mouth, <clears throat> which is, do you know that that's the only place in the Bible that, where that word is used? I will vomit you. I will project you out of my mouth. In other words, you're going to lose a covering. You're going to lose the protection. You're going to lose the covering of his word, the kiss of his mouth, the intimacy of his love. And, 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 and if you look at this hot or this cold, if you're, if you're in the Texas summer and all of the electricity goes out, which it won't in Jesus' name, you're going to get very uncomfortable because you're going to realize you're hot. You're going to be really hot. And if you're in the winter and the, and the heat goes out, you're going to realize how freezing cold it is. Both of these things, hot and cold, they're going to create a result in you. You are going to look for comfort. You're going to look for the answer. And all of a sudden you're going to be going, where's the generator? John, where's the generator? He had that king thing kicked on and we sounded like, you know, I don't know, a plane was landing at our house, but praise God for that generator, okay? And what's beautiful is the first thing he did is he plugged in the coffee maker for me. He was like, get my wife some coffee. <laughs> so what we want to do in managing, and so, so here's what he's saying here. He's saying, look, 
Um, because you say I'm rich and I'm wealthy and I have need of nothing. Do you not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? And he's saying, listen, you think because all of these outward circumstances are going good. You're like, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need anything. I don't need anything. I'm okay. I can pay my rent. I got all these. I'm good. And he's like, no, you're not good. Even though you've been able to control, overmanage, even manipulate some of what you've got going on around you. He said, I am telling you that on the inside, you are wretched, miserable, and blind. And he's saying to us today, repent and turn back to me so I can give you gold, this internal life of beauty, gold refined in the fire, and a robe, an external blessing that the things of your life and the circumstances will be blessed, but it's going to be blessed out of the overflow of this life in God. Therefore, it will be accounted to you for righteousness. You will be fruitful because of the internal work that you've allowed the Holy Spirit to do. Amen. So God is looking to purify his bride, our character, our motives, our pride. And this promise is to born again believers. And he's saying, listen, I realize that you guys have made some mistakes. And he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for humility. He's looking for those who are broken. And again, who are not lukewarm who are saying, I am so hungry for you in my, in my, in my heat, in my, I'm hot, I'm hungry, or in my cold, I'm so desperate for help. I need help. I realize the, the depth of my deprivation and I've got to have you. And he said, I want you to be either way because either way you're going to be crying out for me. And the thing that I understood again was not looking at all of the outward circumstances that got me into the situation that I was in, in my first marriage. I got myself in that situation. It was what I had going on on the inside of my heart that made those decisions. I was the problem. And he's looking for a bride. He's looking for a company of people that say, you know what? Those people betrayed me. That best friend betrayed me. Those people at the church hurt me. These people over here weren't enough for me. I got disappointed over here. I got wounded over here. He's saying, stop looking at all of that and start looking at me. Because I'm looking at you. Because the truth is, we're the problem. You're the problem. And he's saying, you need to take a step back and say, search me, God. I love you so much. You are faithful to finish the work that you started in me. And, I, and trust me, when you get through the trial, you'll look back and say, oh man, I'm so thankful that that guy betrayed me. 
Because had he not betrayed me, I would have never grown in love, in joy, in peace, in long-suffering. I would have never joined, uh, uh, grown in patience. But I would still be that immature person that I was. And I wouldn't have grown in wisdom and stature and favor with man. See, the very thing that you're crying out for is on the other side of that trial and that heartache. But we have to respond in a way that he commands us to respond. And so I want to go through those. But let me tell you something. Before I go through those, his priority is for, number one, for your spiritual growth. And number two, he really does want to bless us in our outward circumstances. So not only is he going to grow us up in love on the inside, and all of the gifts of the Spirit on our, or the fruit of the Spirit on the inside, but he actually does want you to mature and to have the blessings of heaven on the outside. But the beauty of, if you'll let it, if you'll let God do his internal work in you, then what happens on the outside is going to be the easy yoke. You're going to be able to rest and receive because you can trust God through all of those trials. And you realize, look at all those times God came through for me financially, month after month after month, how he paid our bills when we couldn't pay our bills, right? How after we lost our beloved daughter, how he took us in our agony and our pain, and he and he took us out of that to a point where we felt so alive and free again. And again, the very thing that the enemy meant for evil, God turned for good. And it was like, how is it even possible that we're standing here today more free, more alive, more filled with love, more filled with joy. And so he does that for us. Amen. All right. So I have, how many do I have? I have eight things. All right. How do we respond to pain? Number one, I immediately begin to worship God, declaring his goodness and my confidence in who he is. So you're going to have to resign yourself to the fact that God is good. It's got to be, it's got to be a banner over you. It's got to be your anthem. It's everything. No matter what, no matter what it happens to you, no matter how much pain you're in, no matter who dies, no matter what your financial situation is, your health, whatever, but you are good, God. You are good. I declare your goodness in the face of that stinking devil. And I say to you right in your face, if he stands before me, I will say, my God is good. And that before, and you got to, you got to make that decision before things start to shake. Cause when it starts to shake, you're like, well, if it weren't for God, I wouldn't be in this mess. And we all start to blame God and God's like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> I'm good. All right, number two. All right, understand that while you're in pain, the enemy did it. God is going to use it to refine you like gold. And so you just got to go, all right, do your best. Do your best, God. Have me in the season. And I don't want this suffering to pass me by without you achieving the fullness that you have for me in this season. Because I don't want to have to do it again. Because trust me, you'll go back around that mountain. If you try to get out of the pain before God has for you to get out of the pain. 
I know, I know. It's like hiring a coach to work you out. You're like, is it done? <laughs> he always says to me this, I had this, we had this guy from Russia. He was like, Tracy, be a, be a leader, not a loser. As I was working out, I was like, <laughs> my little twiggy arms. I was like, okay. All right, number three, repent of pride. Okay, here's the thing about pride. Nobody thinks they have it. Because pride hides itself. It's like, oh, no, I'm not prideful. And we think because we've been through a lot of heartache that we don't have pride. No, 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 no. Pride is a mask. Pride is a mask. And you wear it so that you and others don't know who you really are. So again, you guys have heard me. I was praying for somebody I know that's really close to me. And I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to watch this Katie Sousa thing on pride and I'm going to stand in the gap on their behalf because <laughs> they've got pride. Then it turns out as I'm saying that prayer that literally a demon came off of me. Like I felt this thing come off of me and I was like, Oh, and after that, man, I felt so free. It's, it's amazing. So again, got to get rid of the pride. All right. Number four, use the word as a weapon. You guys know how to do that. The word's not just a story. It's actually a sword. Get it out. All right. Number five, be gentle with yourself in the process, you know, because bottom line is you're in you can't, when you're in a battle, you can't do the same things that you've done when you're, you know, on the mountaintop dancing around in the daisies, like, oh, I can afford a vacation. You know, let's go to the spa or for a man, let's go fishing. I don't know what men do for, I don't know. But you know what I mean? When you're hurting, be extra good to yourself in that season. Um, all right. Number six, be thankful for who God is and how he has blessed you. There were seasons where I was hurting so bad and I was like, there's nothing to be thankful for. And so I would be like, oh, thank you, God, for my nails. I have good nails. And so I'm scurrying around trying to find any little thing. Okay, thank you, Father, for my hair. I have good hair. And I know that seems shallow, but look, when you're, when you're, when you're surrounded on every side, you can't really see so you have to find something that you're thankful for, right? Thank you that we have ramen noodles in the house tonight, Lord. More beans. Find something because thankfulness, I'm telling you, it is such a beautiful thing and the Lord loves it. He's like, oh, look at her. All right, number seven, dust off your prophecies and give and, and find someone to give you another prophecy. Like find someone that you don't know. I go up to IHOP. I go up to the International House of Prayer and I'm like, okay, I don't know. You give me a prophecy. It's amazing what it does to your heart. And these are, these are tools that you can use to help 
strengthen us. And man, I go through all of my old prophecies. I, I call my intercessors and everybody should have intercessors, okay? And say, can you pray for me? And they'll say, hey, remember that dream you had about that? And remember this and remember that? So just dust them all off because they're there. We war like Timothy with the prophetic word. And then number eight, you've got to forgive. Oh boy, you got to forgive. You know, Jesus was hung on the cross by those he loved. He was kissed by Judas. Think about that. And he's hanging on the cross, barely what's left of him, in excruciating pain, suffering tremendously, emotionally, mentally, physically suffering. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. In other words, forgive them for they don't realize that they just promoted the Son of Man into his eternal reward, into the place, God, we're now going to recreate all of humanity that they can have the opportunity to look like us, that, that because of what they did, they've actually given us the very promise that you had for us for all of eternity. Forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They are promoting you through their jealousy, their hatred, their betrayal, through the disappointments that you feel. Forgive the church leader. Forgive the pastor. Forgive the friend. The Judas kiss. Every single one of you will have a Judas kiss. Because if Jesus did, you will too. And you just have to say, I release mercy. Instead of judgment, I release mercy. And then one day, you won't need to say that anymore. All right, so bringing it to an end. Tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character hope. And hope doesn't disappoint. You know, even when I was flying out of Mexico and I realized that I didn't have two cents to my name, I still had a sliver of hope. I had something that the Lord, even though I didn't know him, he had already started working in my heart where I knew that someday I would love again. And that was the thing that propelled me forward. That and the fact that, you know, everybody spoke English in the place I was going. (laughs) You have no idea. All right, let's stand. God is good. Amen. All right. So, Father, I just thank you for the things that you are doing and the promise that you have in your word, God. I thank you for the hope that has been set before us. That you're faithful to finish the work that you've started in us. God, we have a longing in our heart for all that you are and, and, and to look like you. God, we have a longing in our heart to become one with you. God, I ask you today that you would give us a revelation of this scripture, God, that Romans 8, 28 and 29 would become real to us. We love you, God. Would you pour out your love on us today, God? Would you remind us of the faithfulness of the Father, that God, you are after an internal work and external blessings. So we bless you, God, in all of the ways 
that you are promoting us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.